Thank you. I guess I want to say at the outset that uh, as a Native American, uh, I have a very deep investment in storytelling. I'm particularly interested in the oral tradition of uh, Native America. Um, in the Kiowa tribe, of which I am a member, we talk about time past in, in, this, uh, in this way. Uh, it happened a long time ago when dogs could talk. So I want to I want to tell you first of all, you know, when I woke up this morning, I hadn't the vaguest idea what I wanted to say to you. But now, having spent a little time looking at the sunlight on the rolling Montana landscape, I know exactly what I want to say. The first thing is uh, this. I'd like to tell you who I am. Uh, I'm Scott Mamaday, but I'm also Tsuai Tali. That is my Indian name. And uh, I tell you how I came to, to be given that name. It means Rock Tree Boy. And I'm named for Devil's Tower, Wyoming, which the Kaya is called Tsuai, Rock Tree. And they have a story about it. They say that, yes, during the course of our migration from the headwaters of the Yellowstone to the Southern Plains, we lived for a time in the Black Hills. And when we were there, some children, some Kiowa children, were playing in the woods. Eight children, seven sisters and their brother. The boy was pretending to be a bear, and he was chasing his sisters through the woods. The girls were pretending to be afraid. They were running. Well, in the course of this game, a terrible thing happened. The boy actually turned into a bear. And when the girls saw this, they were truly terrified, and they ran for their lives, and the bear after them. And as they were running, they passed the stump of a tree. And the tree spoke to them and said, if you will climb upon me, I will save you. And the girls scampered on top of the tree stump, and as they did so, it began to rise into the air. The bear came to kill them, but they were beyond its reach. It reared up and scored the bark all around with its claws. The story ends simply. The seven sisters were born into the sky, and they became the stars of the Big Dipper. Well, when I was just an infant, my parents, and at the time we were living at the ancestral homestead on Rainy Mountain Creek in Oklahoma, my parents took me to Devil's Tower. And uh, we were there several days, a week perhaps. I don't have any actual remembrance of it. I was too little, though I have been there several times since. And uh, we, we came back to Oklahoma. It was in August, and uh, an old man of the tribe, an old man whose name was Paul Haw, Prairie Wolf, came to visit. And he took me up in his arms, and he began to talk. And he told stories. He told of all the good things and all the bad things that had happened to the Kiowas in the course of time. And after a, a long time of storytelling, he looked down at me and he said, and now you are Tsuai Tali, rock tree boy. And so I was given this name to commemorate my having been taken to this very sacred place in Kiowa tradition. And that's a word that I would say again and again to you, sacred. 
Uh, it's something that means a great deal to me, and I think it ought to mean a great deal to you. I have, of course, always identified with a boy who turned into a bear, and I am a bear. And if I should turn into a bear on this occasion, I must ask your, you know, your, bear with me. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. It's terrible having to begin by apologizing, isn't it, for, for something like that. I, I, I do stoop to that level on occasion. Uh, the Kiowa people are a plains people, and uh, I want to tell you that four principles informed the plains culture, the, the great warrior society of that culture. And the four principles were these. First, bravery. Second, fortitude. Third, generosity. And fourth, virtue, or right behavior, appropriate behavior, if you will. My father used to tell me about the old man dragonfly, Koi Kanhodl in Kiowa. When my father was a boy of eight or ten years, uh, Koi Kanhodl, dragonfly, used to come to the house to pay a visit. He would come on horseback. And he, in, the, in the proper notion of a, of a Kiowa visit, he would stay for days. And every morning, my father tells me, dragonfly would get up paint his wrinkled face, go out to the east side of the house, I know precisely where he stood, and he would raise his arms and he would pray aloud to the rising sun. I love to think of that man. My father would watch from hiding, full of fear and holy awe, and I have seen that man so many times in my mind's eye, and his faith is my faith. I love to think of his investment in, in the earth and in the sky and in the sun. It means a great deal to me, and I have predicated much of my life on that particular kind of reverence. Every day, and appropriately, Dragonfly would reinvent the sacred. Uh, I believe, when I'm speaking to you young people particularly, I believe that life should be lived fully and to the last moment. And it should be relished. And uh, Charles Kuralt, who is here and who is a brilliant storyteller, uh, in his book, Life on the Road, A Life on the Road, tells of an old man, a, a, a retired professor, who had loved his work as a professor. And when he had to retire, he took a job as janitor at the university so that he could remain with his beloved students. I think there is, there is great, uh, a great reinvention of the sacred in such an example. Life must be lived fully, and it must be informed with purpose. Our destiny, I think, is to struggle for the salvation of our soul, uh, to fix our sight upon something that is worthy of us, and then to strive for it as we are able. Death, death must be earned. We must not shy from it. We must accept it as the ultimate 
limit of our lives, and we must appreciate it for what it is. I was reading a play by August Wilson the other day called Fences, and one of the characters talks about death in the play, and he says, ah, death, don't, don't talk to me about that, I know about that. Death and I have wrestled together. Death is nothing but a fastball over the outside corner. <laughs> and uh, it seems to me that there, there might be worse ways to look at, uh, to look at uh, uh, life and death. We must try to understand what has happened, not only in our personal lives, but in our, in our racial lives, our, our, the, the history of our, of our civilization, we must try to understand that. I had a wonderful teacher at Stanford who said this, unless we understand the history that produced us, we are determined by that history. We may be determined in any event, but the understanding gives us a chance. I want to tell you young people to define yourselves. Do not allow yourselves to be defined by others. Twyla Tharp, a couple of days ago, uh, said something that, that really uh, registered in my, in my heart. She said something like this, don't let anyone steal you from yourself. I can't think of better advice. Imagine yourselves, imagine who you are, and then have the courage and the determination to live up to your imagination. Um, I, I have been imagined by others. I have been uh, defined by others all my life. It happens to us, doesn't it? When I was a little boy, uh, people would formulate an idea of who I was. And then I felt the stress of having to live up to their definition, and that's a mistake. That's too bad. It's too bad that we have to go through that. But we can come to a point where we refuse to allow that to happen. And that's what I would advise you to do. People even now come up to me and they say, oh, you're Scott Mamaday. Yeah, I know about you. Um, you, you're a writer, aren't you? Uh, you're a Native American writer. You know, they put that label on me right away. And uh, yeah, you, you teach, right? You, you teach, you teach, uh, you're university professor. You've written uh, several books, and I know about your subject. Uh, you're a poet. I've read some of your poems. Uh, you're a cook. Uh, you like to hike. You ride an Appaloosa mare named Ma'am. Uh, yeah, that's who you are. <laughs> and I say, yeah. You know, that's my first inclination. Oh, yeah, that, you're right. That's, that's me. But then, given a moment of sanity, I say, no, no. I am Tsoi Tali, and I'm a bear. In the way to Rainy Mountain, there is a story about a man who is saved by a dog. The man has been abandoned. He's alone on the plain. He has expended all of his arrows hunting game. He has no arrows left. He is at the mercy of uh, the elements and the enemies around him. Along comes a dog, and the dog says to the man, this is a long time ago when dogs could talk. 
by the way, they stopped talking on a Thursday. <laughs> the dog said, you're in trouble. There are enemies all around. You're completely surrounded. I would not like to be in your moccasins. And uh, the man said, tell me something I don't know. You know, I'm, of course I'm in trouble, and I, I understand that. And the dog says, well, I could save you. And the man said, well, please, if you can help me, please, please do so. I'm, I'm desperate. And the dog said, now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Um, you know how dogs are. <clears throat> I have puppies. They are little they are cold, they are hungry. If you will promise to take care of my puppies, I will save you. So of course the bargain was struck. The man agreed to take care of the puppies and the story ends, the dog led the man round and round and they came to safety. Well, uh, several years ago I was invited to speak to a group of sixth graders at the Hebrew Academy of San Francisco and I was wondering what to tell them. I thought of that story, and so I began, and I came to that part which has it that this happened a long time ago when dogs could talk. And a little girl in the front row looked up at me and she said, those were the days. <laughs> I want to greet you warmly, to congratulate you heartily, and with all my heart, to wish you well.